As a pastor, I often have the opportunity to talk with people about the struggles, things going on in their lives that are difficult. And I do my best to offer them words of wisdom from the scriptures, and to labor with them, to pray, and again, very often, to walk through those trials with them. And in every context where I've served, and I've served in some very different contexts, some significant contrast to be had, but everywhere I've served, there is a, a common struggle felt by many within the church. And that's when Christian parents endure the heartbreak of watching their children live lives apart from Christ. How do we make sense of this? How do we make sense of this in light of the verse that we just read? Proverbs 22, verse 6 is a famous verse given to parents. Is it, is it this verse a, a promise that God would unconditionally save every child who is raised in a Christian home? And if that's so, then, then how do we explain the disparity between such a promise and the reality that's faced by so many? Well, we're going to come back to this in just a moment. God's Word has a lot to say about the family and, and a lot to say about parenthood. But whether or not you are a parent today, whether or not your days of parenting feel very far behind you, all of us are children of parents. And today's a natural time for us to reflect on these things, the gift that God has given us and the stewardship that God has given us. I've titled this message, An Appeal to Remember. On this day, when we honor mothers and as parents dedicate themselves and their children to the Lord as we've just done, I want to share a brief message with you about the stewardship of parenting. And I want to highlight the blessed grace of God that is there for all of us as we reflect on such things. I want to share two main points with you, and both of them are calls to remember. Here's number one. Remember the stewardship of parenting. As I said a moment ago, the Bible really has a fair amount to say about parenting. And what we notice is we look to the scriptures, we see how they elevate the calling of parenthood. One of the texts that we read, uh, that we actually just read in this dedication, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, really makes that point powerfully, doesn't it? In that text, Moses makes this great declaration that God is one. I'm so used to saying it in the ESV in a different translation, that God is one. The idea that there is one God and he is undivided. And that he calls us to, to love him with every fiber of our being, every part of who we are. And then Moses, there are challenges to ultimately that we would teach these things to our children, to the next generation. He says, it's up to you to train your children to know and understand these things. Out of all the things that you would teach your children, of course there are many, Right? Out of all the things that you would treat, uh, teach and ultimately want to hand down to your kids, this is most important. It's more important than grades. It's more important than a career path that you might want for them. It's more important than passing on family traditions, as meaningful as that might be. It's more important than anything that we would want to instill in our children. In our context, sometimes Christians, Christian parents, really expect the church to handle the spiritual instruction. Isn't that why I bring them to church? Isn't that why we do Sunday school and Bible school in the summer and so on? Well, that idea is not in the Bible. The Bible never suggests this. The church has a role, a very important role, even as we recited together a moment ago. The church does have a role, but it is not the primary role that is given to the family. 
God gives this stewardship to parents, mothers, fathers, to you. We'll talk about grandparents later as well, of course. What a precious privilege this is. But it is a stewardship and nothing less than that. Beyond spiritual instruction, there is much more to be said about the formative role of parents in the lives of their children. Let's go back to Proverbs 22, verse 6, which I opened with. Now, sometimes we we have taken this as a sort of unconditional promise that if we raise our kids in the church, then somehow or another, we don't know all the details, but somehow or another, they're they're guaranteed to to embrace the faith. Well, there are a few problems with this idea. But the main point that I'll make is that this text really actually speaks more broadly than we sometimes recognize. This is an important word for parents. This text and so many other Proverbs are important for parents. But maybe not in the way that we sometimes take it. Fundamentally, this text is speaking to the stewardship and the opportunity that parents have to form their children for the rest of their lives. This includes spiritual things. Of course it does. The habits and all the things that we would want to instill in them and the principles of God's word, of course it includes spiritual things. But it includes other things, like work ethic. It includes things like respect for authority, and compassion, generosity, patience. All of the things that we would want to teach our children. I got, as I said a moment ago, I got to spend time with my mother this week for the first time in almost two years when she came up to Louisville for my delayed graduation. And growing up, she set an example, a really strong example of hard work and determination. She was one of the hardest workers I've ever known in my life. My father worked hard too. He modeled a sense of self-discipline and tenacity, doggedness. And in a very real way, they have helped make me who I am. And there's just no avoiding that. And I would even say for better or for worse, we shape and form our children. I say that because, you know, on one hand, some people err on the side of laziness. Some people err on the side of being a workaholic and having to work too much and recognizing, no, I'm human. I need to rest sometimes and trust God. I need to have humility there. But for better or for worse, we shape our children. I am shaped by that example. And I'm even reminded of that as I spent time with her this week. When I am old, I will not easily depart from it. Proverbs 22, verse 6 is a word of wisdom. And it's an encouragement about the powerful influence that parents have on their kids to form them into who they will be for the rest of their lives. Now, every child is different. I've got two. If you've got five If you've got families, you you know all the more that every child is different. You see that in your grandchildren. You see that in other children, even here at the church. They have their own dispositions, and they respond differently to this or that prompt. But that fact should urge us all the more to be thoughtful and intentional about how we shape our children. In light of this stewardship, remember to watch your life and your faith. Now, on one hand, this exhortation applies to all of us, parent or not. Kids are always watching. Kids here at the church, kids in your neighborhood, kids that you have extended in your family, even if you don't have kids, but kids are always watching. And they're learning from you in subtle ways. They're learning what is normal, what is normal behavior, what is acceptable behavior, what is good and what is not. They are always learning and watching. Our kids learn a whole lot more sometimes from our example than they do from even what we would seek to say to them explicitly. 
But I do want to talk to parents for just another moment just about the importance of modeling authentic faith to your children. If your child, for instance, sees one thing on Sunday and sees something else entirely on Friday night, you're making the not-so-subtle point to them that your faith just might be a sham. Now, no one is perfect. That's never what we're talking about. But your child needs to see that you have a faith that is real, authentic. They need to see a faith that applies the word that is preached on Sunday, the next Monday, and on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, and so on. In other words, if your, if your faith amounts only to regular church attendance or occasional church attendance and maybe a carefully placed Bible in the home, well, you are forming your kids to see Christianity really is nothing more than a situational sentiment. It's something you do when you're at church within that context but doesn't really affect the rest of your life. It makes church seem like something really nothing more than a social gathering that we could choose. Oh, I could choose social activity in a church, but I could also find it elsewhere. And if they find their social connection elsewhere, well, then we shouldn't be surprised when our children grow up to not see church as essential for their lives. We should expect it. As you remember to watch your life, remember also to pray. You've heard me cite Augustine many times in my preaching. You'll hear it more. He was a mighty man of God. But you might not know that he was also notoriously wayward in his youth. Notoriously wayward. His mother, Monica, was a model Christian woman. I mean, just really someone that I admire so much. But don't assume just because I say she was a model Christian mother that she sort of had the perfect Christian home and everything was as it was supposed to be. No, no, no. Her husband was not a believer. And he wasn't hostile to Christianity, but he wanted nothing to do with it. He said, you do your thing at church, you do your stuff, but I want nothing of it. He was a nominal pagan. Wasn't interested in the faith stuff. She came to faith after marriage. And so that's the context that she's in. Her husband was not interested in her newfound faith. And Augustine loved her. He loved his mom. He adored her. But she was intense. She would not let up about her faith. And about the spiritual danger that she saw in her son if he did not repent. And so she urged him. She leaned in on him all through his teenage years and into his 20s. At one point, again, she was intense. At one point, he actually flees the continent and takes a ship across the sea just to get away from mama. And you don't underestimate Monica, though. For all of church history, she's remembered as the mother who boarded her own ship, tracked him down, and she did, in Italy, in Milan, hundreds of miles away, boarding her own ship. It was, this would have been a, a very difficult travel for a single woman in this time. That she did. She tracked him down. She prayed for him for years. All throughout his 20s, he gave himself over to all the worldly pleasures that really haven't changed much in 1,600 years. And having shed so many tears of prayer for her son, here in that city where she found him, she went to Ambrose, a prominent local minister, a bishop, and she pleaded with him and prayed and asked for advice about her son. And Ambrose was so moved by her, he so admired her that he said this to her. He said, the child of those tears shall never perish. She took that as a word from the Lord. 
And at age 31, Augustine put his faith in Christ and became one of the most important figures in the history of Christianity, probably second only to the apostles. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Never underestimate the power of persistence. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And don't give up. We as a church, we, we want to make sure that we join with parents and we pray with them for their children. In light of the stewardship that I've emphasized, I want to offer one more call to remembrance. Number two, remember God's grace in parenting. Remember God's grace in parenting. You know, it's, it's common for parents to have regrets. We are imperfect people living in a broken world. We need to just recognize that. Things are not as they should be. But God's word reminds us so powerfully that through it all, God is gracious. What's more, God is renowned for restoring broken situations. It is that principle that comes up again and again and again all throughout the scriptures. I mean, not only is this sort of that reoccurring theme, but, but we also could say this is an overarching theme that is in the heart of the whole of what holds the Bible together as this one grand story of redemption. I mean, just think about it. Humanity fell, and they were expelled from paradise. Didn't have any hope. They had no hope of redemption. It wasn't obvious to them, well, of course God's going to fix this. No, there was no obvious thought. It felt absolutely desperate. They felt doomed. It seemed as if all hope was lost. But God made a way to redeem humanity, to fix the broken situation, and to restore the fellowship that had been lost. That's what our God does. And so for you, if you look back on your life, and you see areas of brokenness, maybe related to raising of a child, maybe a marriage, maybe something else entirely, take heart that God delights to redeem broken situations. He is Savior after all. I mean, think about the very, what he calls himself, Savior, the one who saves, the one who fixes things. Call out to him. Put your faith in him and see what God might do in his power to restore. As you remember God's grace, remember also his providence. Let us never forget God's perfect providence. There are things in your life and in the life of your family that are simply beyond your control and that are beyond your ability to understand. Just plain and simple. God works in our lives in ways that surpass our ability to understand. That's part of the reason I don't understand this. Why doesn't God explain? You couldn't understand it even if I told you sort of a thing. Some of these things will only make sense years later in light of the larger picture of what God has done in our lives. Other things will only make sense in eternity when God makes all things new. Trust him. Trust him especially when you don't know the answers. It's funny, there's a sort of a, we have an instinct that when we don't know the answers, we tend to pull back and we tend to, to be unsure. When you don't know the answers, when you're struggling in that moment and there's some darkness and there's a question mark, that's the time to lean in closer to God. Trust him all the more. Psalm 20, uh, 62, verse 8, one of my favorite psalms, says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. 
take comfort that God's providence is not limited by anything, including by our own shortcomings. Lastly, I want to speak to children, all children, the young and the not so young. All of us were children at one point. We all come from somewhere, don't we? If you've had godly parents in your lives, you have had an untold blessing. Thank God for that. Remember what your parents taught you, an example that they set for you. Recognizing that no one is perfect, and yet that example that shows even repentance when repentance is due. Remember the prayers that they have prayed for you. Every godly parent prays for their children. Tears are shed and intercessions are made in some ways and in some amount that we might never know. You should ask your parents. They'll tell you. But you might never know otherwise. When was the last time that you thanked your parents for those prayers? The tear-soaked prayers of a mother or of a father. Today is a good day for you to thank your mother especially. But maybe you didn't have godly parents. Maybe you hear all this and says, yeah, well, Pastor, that sounds nice, but that that wasn't my experience growing up. Maybe your parents, maybe it's more complex. Maybe your parents professed faith. They claimed to be Christians, and yet they just did not model it well in the home. There is grace for you, too. Even if your earthly parents fell short, there is a heavenly Father who loves you and who welcomes you into his family with open arms. He does so without manipulation without ulterior motives, without some hidden agenda. He does so freely, and he does so with love and with joy. Remember, God delights to redeem brokenness. If that's you, run to him. Our God stands waiting for his prodigals to come. He stands watching and looking for the prodigals to come home. Going back to parents, I want to speak to parents again. Remember this stewardship that God has given you. Few things could be of greater consequence than the blessing and the stewardship that is given to you. Remember that your importance to your kids doesn't sort of expire at 18. It's not like, okay, you know, I'm sort of 18, they're going off to college or a job or whatever. Now, those early years, they are essential and crucial, aren't they? They are so formative, they are so important, and yet... Your responsibility, your stewardship doesn't end at 18 or 21 or whatever that might be. Maybe they live at home a little bit longer these days. It doesn't end then. Now, it looks different as they age, doesn't it? Different seasons of life, it looks different. But there is still so much that you can teach your kids and the ways that you should be praying for your kids and your grandkids, even as the seasons of life roll on. As we move in just a moment to a time of invitation, a message like this really might have spoken to people in in very different ways. There is a sense in which parents particularly might have really um, heard this in a certain way and need to respond, and I, I would want to give you that opportunity to respond today. Maybe you're a child, maybe you're a kid, and you're here and you're listening to this and it's speaking to you in a certain way, however you need to respond. We want to give you that opportunity today. But maybe you're in that position that I mentioned a moment ago. Maybe you're the prodigal. I want you to know that God is calling you home. And he stands with arms open. 
and that there is no better day than today. You are not promised tomorrow, but that as he stands, that you might run to him. I would be delighted. I want to invite you to come, and I would be delighted to pray with you about that, talk to you about that if you have questions. I want to invite you, maybe you just want to come and pray quietly by yourself. I want to invite you to do that. You are welcome to come, especially on a day like today. However you need to respond, let's stand. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation as we're led. to be with you today again especially on this mother's day one final happy mother's day to you we're going to close our service with a word of prayer from one of our deacons brother if you would come god bless you and i look forward to visiting with you after let us pray well father we're thankful for this message this morning lord we're thankful for to hear to hear your word and and to read it together and to worship together lord and we pray lord as parents that we would uh, have that authentic faith for our children to see, and we'd be a good example for that, Lord. And Lord, we know we can't do that unless we're looking to you, so Lord, we just pray that we would seek you in everything that we do, and then Lord, that we'd be that authentic example to our children. And so Lord, as we go here, leave here today, Lord, we just pray that we take what we've heard today, Lord, and apply it to our hearts and our lives, and that we'd be an example not only to our children, but to everyone we come in contact with this week, and we'd be a uh, just a voice for you to a broken world. We thank you and we love you in Christ's name. Amen.